Greetings and welcome to the show. My guest today is Professor Jonathan Webb, a third degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, owner of Webb Fitness and MMA in South Jersey. He's also the Fury Grappling Promoter and a former professional fighter in the CFFC and UFC. He's a very busy man, but he did find some time before I moved to Nashville to sit down and just tell me some stories about his career in the fight business. Enjoy. So, Professor, how's it going? That's pretty good. How you feeling? <laughs> feeling better. I uh, had to take six weeks off for a broken toe, yeah. <laughs> which uh, did not happen while training. It happened when I was getting ready for for a camera shoot or a photo shoot rather and uh stumbled and stubbed my toe dramatically on a chair leg and it just snapped and yeah you don't realize how much weight you put on your foot or your toes until it happens i broke my pinky toe twice and broke my uh big toe once and i think the pinky toe honestly was worse than the than the big toe yeah, yeah you just don't realize how much weight you put on on the side to keep your balance yeah, it was like the, the first day I tried to actually walk on it. Someone like stepped on it. Yeah, while I was at so, work, and it was it was completely miserable. That's injuries. When I tore my shoulder, everyone would come up and slap me. Hey, what's up, man? Right on the shoulder. Never okay. happens any other times, but so it only started happening once it was injured. Yeah, it's almost like you were attracting. Yep. like the negative. That's exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah, probably happens a lot more often than we realize. Yeah, but uh, so I wanted to ask you a couple questions about your career and how yep. things kind of got started. Uh, first of all, did you grow up in a fighting culture? Not at all. No? <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, you know, I I got in fights as a kid, um, but not often. Uh, my neighborhood that I grew up in, like, I wrestled, and kids just didn't mess with the wrestlers, you know? Like, they were like, oh, you're just going to grab me and take me down. So I really didn't have to get in too many fights growing up. Um, you know, I didn't watch MMA growing up. I didn't watch. I watched a little bit of boxing, but but not too much. And uh, you know, I got into jiu-jitsu by an accident. Uh, I was is my senior year in high school, and my older cousin was like, "Hey, come to this grappling class with me." And I was like, "Grappling, all right." that's what wrestling is so i figured it was i was going to show up and it was just going to be a wrestling practice and uh we show up i see a couple like older guys sitting on the mat and you know i'm 17 years old and i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna kick these guys ass right like the, you know that was just what was in me that like i i thought i was just gonna go in and, and like smash these guys and uh you know, we, we start rolling, they all start choking me out and just and kicking my butt. And uh, immediately I got hooked to it. Like I, I wanted to figure out what they were doing to me. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be able to do that to other people. And I went, you know, head first right into it. And, and I started training twice a day, every single day. And, uh, you know, I got my blue belt really fast and I was competing every weekend and you know mma still wasn't a thing my school was a it was a gi school there was no no gi we didn't have mma uh practices or anything like that it was just a straight bjj gym and uh you know I, again i would train just jujitsu 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 and uh i was still i wrestled my freshman year in college and i didn't i, I just kind of fell 
out of love with wrestling at the time and I just really wanted to focus on, on jiu-jitsu and uh, during that wrestling the year or my freshman year of wrestling I didn't really get along with my coach at the college I was at and uh, you know I just I just wanted like a way out of it really and you know me and him got into a little thing a little argument and uh, you know I just decided like hey I'm, I'm getting out of here I'm not wrestling anymore and uh, literally a week before that, I ran into a guy who owned a MMA promotion, and he came up to me and was like, uh, hey, do you fight MMA? Because he, he seen my cauliflower ear. And I was like, no, I wrestle, and I, I'm a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. And uh, he said, like, well, if you ever want to fight, here's my card. And his name was Scott Morgan. He owned uh, 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 New Breed Fighters. It was a, a show in Atlantic City. And so when I got into this fight with my, my coach, I remember getting in my car and there's the car just sitting like right in my cup holder. And I said, man, let me, let me call this guy and like see what I need to do uh, to like qualify to fight. Because back then, you know, people were making stuff up, like telling, like saying that you got to get your hands registered and like all that weird <laughs> stuff, you know, and I, I hadn't, like I had no Bruce idea. Lee, like deadly weapon yeah, thing. Yeah. So, you know, I had no idea about the MMA world at all. And, uh, so I end up giving the guy a call and he's like, Hey man, I got a fight in two weeks. We just had someone pull out of a fight at 175 pounds. And I, at that time I walked around at 176, 178 maybe. And, uh, he's like, the guy's just really not that good. And, uh, this could be a really good first fight. And I was like, oh, like I never done boxing before. I never did kickboxing like I, I didn't do anything except for jiu-jitsu and wrestling and then uh, I called my coach and I was like hey what do you think about me doing this bucket list thing you know taking a fight I'll just do one and I, I just want to say I did it and he was like you know whatever you want to do I'll support you and you know if you're gonna want to do it I'll, I'll I'll be there to have your back so I ended up signing up for this fight I did like one little boxing lesson where they were just telling me to keep my hands up and how to throw a jab, but I never sparred or like anything like that. It was just, you know, literally I, th I threw a jab for an hour straight of them just keeping my chin down and just throwing a jab. And uh, so anyways, I go out, I take the fight, I go in, take the guy down, held him down first round, second round comes, take him down again, get him down and I arm barred him and like, I remember the crowd just going nuts and then, you know, getting my hand raised was like a feeling I never felt before. Like wrestling, I wrestled at big tournaments and, you know, traveled with wrestling and, and I just never got that thrill uh, like I did this, this first fight. And again, just like I had that first day of practice, uh, I, you know, I, I got addicted to it and I just was like, I want to chase that feeling again. And then I just I took another fight in like a month, like a couple weeks after. And, uh, you know, I just started really training and, and focusing on, on just MMA. And again, my school was a, a gi school. They put no gi in the school for me, right? Oh, like wow. yeah, he like he started doing no gi classes a couple times a week. And, you know, again, my first couple fights, I just trained in the gi and then I did a couple no gi practices a week. And then that was it, still no striking. And then, uh, you know, it, everything just came like went off of that you know i got hit for the first time in my my third fight and then that's when i was like hey i, I need to start you know learning how to box more and 
I started training with Frankie Edgar and all them over at Ricardo Almeida's. And my coach was a Ricardo Almeida black belt. So, you know, he used to just send me up and, and I would just go spar. You know, Frankie was the world champion at the time, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing. I was just getting going in there and, and trying my hardest and, and uh, picking up all that stuff from, from Frankie and Edson Barbosa and, you know, Nick Catone and, all, I mean, the, the room was filled. Henzo was still fighting. It's a lot Rick, of big names. Ricardo for, uh, was still fighting. I mean, I, I would walk in the room and be like, man, like I've seen that guy in, in magazines or I've seen that guy on, on TV, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot in a short amount of time because I just got thrown into the deep end. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, I, I'm really happy of how it happened. But it was never planned. You know, I, I would have never guessed that this was going to be my life. I, I thought... You know, I, I when I was 18, uh, I signed up to go into the police academy a, in Camden, which wow would have been, you know, a rough uh, job for me. But uh, you know, I was going through the process there, and then last minute, I was like, you know, you know I, I'm gonna give myself a little time to see what happens in my life, and then it, you know, if nothing comes up, then I'll go back and and, and retry the the police uh you know route and uh mma just took off for me everything happened so fast you know i had five amateur fights uh i went five and oh and then i was already i was a brown belt by the time i my last fight was there and and back then you know 2008 2009-ish you know there wasn't as many brown belts and black belts like there are now like if you were a purple belt, it was like, holy shit, like, the, you know, you're really good. <laughs> and uh, so it was really hard for me to get fights as a, you know, after my, my fifth fight. It was, you know, I would get a fight and then the coaches would call and, and be like, hey, you know, we don't want to take that fight anymore. Like, we looked him up. and Because you were a brown belt. Because I was a brown so belt. you were overqualified. Exactly. And it, it was, fa- I mean, like I said, it was just, everything just happened so fast. And then, you know, and then I took my pro contract with uh cage fury who's the biggest regional promotion in in the world you know besides you know lfa and and um titan like they're they've always just been like the best regional promotions and they get the most people into the ufc and right from the beginning like my first fight i had you know a guy that probably shouldn't have been in there with me and then after that fight, it was just, they were just sending me killers and killers and, and uh, you know, people were really good records or, you know, my my fourth fight, I was 3-0 going into the fourth fight and I fought on Long Song, who's one of C's heavyweight champion and lightweight champion. Uh, the guy had 30 something fights. I had three fights, you know, and I went in and I fought him and I, and, uh, I knocked him out it was my first knockout I ever had. And I, and I really, you know, I was so scared during that fight. I've never been so scared walking out to a fight because he had a bunch of head kick knockouts and, you know, a bunch of finishes. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't want him to, you know, finish me in front of all my friends. And I remember I just went out there like, man, he's going to try to kill me, so I got to kill him first. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, like I said, I just kind of got thrown right into it. And, you know, it led me – you know to the ufc pretty fast like i was only training for you know not that many years and and i, I made my ufc debut when i was tw- 24 years old wow. you know and um you know again i just when i look back at it it's just insane to me that that all that stuff happened in such a short time 
So you, you've got the <clears throat> jujitsu background, you've got the wrestling yep. background. How did you bring up the striking part of it if there weren't a lot of MMA gyms around? Because now it's like there's an MMA gym everywhere. Everywhere. But I can't yeah. imagine that when you were starting off, you could find a place that was willing to cross train those disciplines. Yeah, it was, it was really tough. I did a lot of traveling, you know, uh, luckily, um, my mom and my stepdad were like super supportive. Um, you know, I, I would get in my car early in the morning and, uh, you know, drive an hour to one practice, leave that practice, go drive an hour further away from that to go, you know, train at the next, practice or sometimes I was going up to New York and, and training at Henzo school in Manhattan and just getting on the train and coming back. And, and I mean, I, I felt like I was in the car for 90% of my days or on a train for 90% of my days. But, um, you know, I would go to boxing gyms, I would go to kickboxing gyms, just trying to learn everything separate. And then at Ricardo's, it was just sparring, like, you know we'd get there it wasn't so much like we were going to learn mma techniques it was we're showing up we're going to do five five minute rounds of hard sparring you know and and again it's just something i pick up on if someone hit me with a kick the next round i would try to hit somebody else with the same kick and there was no you know them giving me tips of how to do the kick i would just try to you know mimic whatever throwing. they did to me yeah okay and uh you know and and again the level was so high in that room that it was just it was easy to pick up you know great you know techniques and stuff from from these guys and uh you know i i loved every second of it you know i i enjoyed it it was it was fun to me and uh you know i you, you couldn't get me to not go to practice like i just i just wanted to be there and uh you know, like I said, I, there would be way too many people to thank on like who helped me get to where, where I am. But, uh, you know, the, just being in the room with those guys just elevated me so much. So were you living, where were you living at the time when you were doing all this travel? So there's different, different points. So I, I lived at my, my parents, um, for a little, and then I, um, uh, moved out and I, I lived, uh, with a girlfriend you know, when I was younger. This and is like South Jersey area. South Jersey, yeah. So I lived down, so my parents lived in Marlton. Um, and then when I moved out of there, I moved to Blackwood. So right around okay. here. And then I would I would train in Burlington, New Jersey. And then I would train in Hamilton, New Jersey. And then I would train in in, uh, in New York. So it was just literally just, gracious. yeah, just, I would literally just ping pong from <laughs> each, each uh, gym all day, you know, at least two sessions a day. Sometimes I would get three in. Uh, then I started like, adding like strength and conditioning and like all this stuff a as I went. Um, but again, there was no set back then. There was no set like, hey, this is how fight camp goes. Like, you do this. Like, I just had to figure it out on my own. And uh, there's a lot of trial and error. And you know, I, I feel like I started to get into like a comfortable rhythm of what I was supposed to do. Uh, and again, that just came from watching other people do what they were doing so was your corner different for every fight because a lot of times yeah so i every fight i've ever had except for one fight my, my original coach brian mcpherson went in every every fight i've ever been in. he traveled with me to australia you know he we've been all over you know america and uh he didn't go with me to russia one time the one time i fought in russia 
Uh, I just had one one of my other coaches with me. It was a last minute fight, and you know we had to get visas and like all this stuff last minute, and so that's the only fight he ever missed out of all like twenty something of of my fights. And uh, you know he was always in my corner, and you know everybody else would kind of rotate. Like sometimes I'd have a boxing coach in there, or you know I'd have a kickboxing coach or a wrestling coach. Like it, it just kind of mixed, however. You know, I, I saw fit at the time. Yeah. Was there a point at which MMA as a distinct approach to fighting sort of clicked or sort of became the standard in the way you were preparing for fights? Yeah, I mean, so in 2013, uh, Daniel Gracie opened up a school in Philadelphia and, uh, I got, I had an injury. It was my first bad injury. I tore my shoulder and, uh, or tore my labrum and I was out for seven months. And, Yikes. you know, at this point things started going through my head. Like, Hey, do I, you know, do I start trying to like get a career where, you know, I can support a family and like do all that or, or do I keep going with MMA? And I was really torn. Like, you know, I, I at one point I thought I was going to stop fighting and, uh, uh, Rob Haydack, who's the owner of Cage Fury, uh, he introduced me to Daniel, and he's like, Daniel's opening a school right in uh, North Philly, and, uh, you know, I think you'll be a good fit there. And uh, at the time, it's me, uh, Paul Felder, uh, Sean Brady, who Sean Brady at the time was only an amateur, but he was like one of my main training partners there. And uh, me and Paul already had a, a few amateur fight or uh, professional fights, and me and Paul were always like always one fight off from each other. Like, if he was five and zero, I was four and zero. Six and zero, I was five. Were you fighting in the same weight class? No, he was one fifty five, and I was uh, one seventy. Okay. Yeah, and Sean Brady was one seventy, so we were all, like close. We were always close because Paul's a giant fifty fiver. So when we <laughs> when we, you know, weren't on weight, when he wasn't on weight, he would be closer. Uh, to our weight you know mm-hmm. uh and uh anyway so you know then it started getting everyone pat sabatini and you know just mike wilcox like all these guys started coming in and we formed this team that you know we all took things that we learned from other gyms because we all came from separate gyms and we started putting them together and you know i might show one of the guys like hey this is how i cut weight because i learned it from here and then they would start using that or somebody would be like hey you know i do strength and conditioning at this place you should come with me and we would all just kind of like bounce those things off each other and we made like a you know this is what training is like we got to do strength and conditioning two or three times a week you got to do you know you got to wrestle a couple times a week i do jiu-jitsu you know a certain amount of times a week and uh we kind of again for like a we had a really good run of just you know, everyone was doing well. Like, I mean, if we fought 50 times, we would win 48 of them as a team. You know, like like everyone was doing really well. And uh, then we had some, you know, our coach moved away for a little bit. And then things started, you know, I went out to New Mexico for a little while and was training with Donald Cerrone. And, uh, you know, then I picked up things there and, and brought them back and, you know, then the coach came back and it was, you know, it was, again, a lot of, you know, learning new things and, and just 
bringing them all back to the hub and 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 everyone just kind of excelled off of that so it sounds like your training partners the the group of guys you were training with are what determined the trajectory of your training and your development not like pie may from kill bill you know or yeah. duke rufus or you know name any other famous trainer um that sounds really unusual is that like a uniquely like philly thing yeah man i i really couldn't tell you everything just kind of worked the way it was like uh, you know again I, I just think we took a bunch of people who had drive had some talent had some experience and put them all together and we just figured it out together and uh you know if we tried it again with a new group of people maybe it would work maybe it wouldn't work but you know i i think it, re it really worked for us for the most part you know a lot of people from that room are either in the ufc now or or you know felder's commentating the biggest shows in the in the world now and uh you know it's you know the, again i just think everyone if they stayed there or they didn't they learned so much in that in that time there was just like this air of like you know five six years that it was just we were like unstoppable you know i know felder came from a karate background mm -hmm. you came from a jiu-jitsu background yeah wrestling and then jiu-jitsu yeah okay did you yeah. hop around to different gyms together or was yes. daniel gracie kind of like the home tour? no so i mean that was the home uh for sure and then we would still bounce around uh, we would actually go to uh, Paul had a karate school he used to go to when he was younger and we would go there and we would do some striking stuff there but then we actually there was a wrestling coach in there who was a really good wrestler from he's from Washington Township where, where my gym is and um, uh, his name is Mario Mason and he was just just so happened to be teaching wrestling at a karate school and the kids just he's so like intelligent with wrestling um, and uh, we should go there and, and wrestle and um, you know again we'll go to boxing gyms there's a kid right now who's one of the best boxers in the world his name's Jerron Ennis Boots he's out of Philly he's undefeated and uh, you know these top guys like don't want to fight him at all I think he's I think he's 39-0 and or 40-0 and with 30-something knockouts the kid's like a, a beast and uh, his dad used to be our, our boxing trainer and we would go to his boxing gym. Is if you think about like a Rocky style gym, it was shittier than that. Like it, it was, there's holes in the ceiling. The the rings were all messed up. The bags were all beat up. Uh, but it had this like aura in there, something that it's like, you know, you just felt like you were doing the right thing when you went in there. And uh, I learned a lot of boxing and striking in that in the, that gym and uh we would all go there me me felder brady all, all them we would we would show up and these guys were so good at boxing like boots was only 16 years old at the time and we're all like you know 20 or mid 20s and uh you know he would he would kick our ass and he's six, 16 years old and then he had two older brothers uh who were bigger like us and then you know they were older than us and and uh they would come in and, and help us and you know they would spar all of us back to back to back and not be tired and we're in there you know dying or you know sometimes the coach would you know call out and be like uh you know hey uh you can only use your left hand talking to his sons and we could do whatever we wanted they can only use their left hands and they would still beat us you know like that that's how good these wow. guys were at at boxing and uh you know again we got to learn a lot from them 
Um, and then that's where you can really excel in this sport is if you go to a specialist, you know, if they specialize in boxing, they're going to be better than an MMA coach at at boxing, you know, like the MMA coach is going to be like, Hey, I can, I can show you everything like pieces of everything, but it's just different when there's, when there's, when they specialize in, in a certain aspect, same thing with wrestling. You take a Jordan Burroughs, no MMA wrestling coach can tell you, you know, Hey, this is how you're going to shoot double leg like Jordan Burroughs. Like he's got to show you how to, how to do that. And, uh, so Have you ever trained with Jordan, Jordan. So Jordan graduated high school the year before me and only two towns over from my town so i've been around him like a lot like uh you know wrestling tournaments or we'll be in the same practices but he was really small in high school and i was 170 or 189 pounds i did in my my senior year in high school so i never uh like would wrestle with him but he was there and he was always good but he wasn't like the guy in the room like you're like oh that's the best wrestler in the world right right and then he just started turning around his senior year in high school and when he went to college he just turned into a whole nother beast and uh you know is now the best wrestler in the world period right like accolades wise he's he's the he's the best so when it comes to specialists did you ever run into any uh friction going into a boxing gym as an mma guy oh yeah yeah so yeah <clears throat> before we started going to uh Bozies to to the boxing gym i was talking about you know we would go to other you know local boxing gyms and they would see that you're an mma guy and there'd just be like a big target on you you know they're you know i don't know if it's an ego thing or or what it was but they hated us like they you know they wanted to hurt you uh they wanted to show that boxing was better than mma you know and uh that they can just outclass us so a lot of times you would go and just be like, you know what, I don't even want to be here because I'm just going to end up getting hurt or I'm not learning anything. So, you know, that's why we would just be like, all right, we're not going to go there anymore or here anymore. And when we found Bozies, like, they were trying to help us. Like, they, like I said, they could kick our ass, but they, they were really trying to, like, get us better at, at boxing. They weren't just trying to beat us down. Um, sometimes they, they would – they would remind you that they could if they if they wanted to in boxing, mm-hmm. um, but you know they they were really there like trying trying to help us. There was a couple times I got hit where I shot like double legs or grabbed them really quick, forgetting that it was boxing, and uh, they're like yo yo yo, and uh, you know, but uh, again they were they were always there like tr- trying to help us. So CFFC champion. Yep. Got the call for UFC. Mm-hmm. Had a couple fights there. Yep came back to CFFC. Yeah. How does it work with the difference between the, the promotions and getting those kind of calls? Because CFFC is not owned by the UFC. No, they they work with them a lot. Um, they're on UFC Fight Pass, um, which um, obviously the UFC has a piece in that. Um, and then they their whole uh, business plan was never to try to compete with the UFC. Have you seen any show that's ever tried to compete with the UFC, they they don't last really. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you got Bellator, but that's usually just fighters who used to fight in the UFC, and then now they're old, and nobody wants to watch them really anymore. Um, you know, no no one can really compete with them. I mean, One FC has the uh, the Asian market, but it's it's just not the same. Like, 
you say you're the one FC champion, it doesn't hold the weight as you know you saying that you're the uh, UFC champion. Um, but Catrier has always tried to be the best feeder program for the UFC. They want to like groom you up to be the best fighter that you can be, so that you can get into the UFC. And when people are seeing that you know you're doing really well, you know they're getting their shout outs like, hey, these guys came from Catrier and now they're a UFC champion, like Aljamain Sterling. Mm-hmm. I remember my my pro debut, Aljamain Sterling was the main event uh, on Cage Fury, and I remember thinking like that's cool. And then he he got signed to the UFC like right after that fight, wow. and it was like man, that's cool. Like guys are you know getting signed from here, and then you know Felder got signed, and then I got signed. Like or I'm sorry, George Sullivan got signed, then Felder got signed, then I got signed, and it was just kind of like then it just started like everyone it, every time there was a fight, someone would get signed. You know, and, and and that's why people want to fight for Cage It's not about them, you know. You're not making a lot of money fighting on on regional uh, promotions, but you want your, you know, the right eyes to be on on those fights. If you fight on a little shitty organization, like no one's watching that, right? You go fight in in an organization like Cage Fury, like you know, Dana might be watching or Sean Shelby or. Uh, McMain or like all the matchmakers of UFC are watching those shows live, you know, either in person or, or, um, you know, on the stream. And if they like how you fought and, and you, you have a good record, like there's a good chance that you're going to get signed after fighting for them. The production value is pretty good for CFSC yeah. too. Like I, I've that, seen YouTube videos of other promotions that just have yeah. horrible camera, horrible editing. And I'm just, yeah. like, I can't even watch it cause it's so poorly kind of stitched together. Yeah, that's one thing. They do not cheap out with, with the production. Um, I I now run um, uh, Fury Grappling, which is Cage Fury's grappling promotion. And when we first started, it all, all started from sitting down at a lunch, me, Rob, and uh, Brad. And we were, um, you know, we were just talking about possibly starting a, a grappling organization and um you know we didn't know what it was going to be we didn't know if it was going to be big or a hit or not a hit and uh we go to do the first show we didn't want to sign with anybody we didn't want to go with fight pass we didn't want to do flow grappling or or any of the streaming services because we just wanted to test it out and like see how we do at putting on the actual show but even for that rob was like you know i don't put out shitty products so uh you know we're gonna have to pay for the production and you know he took a chance and and i mean he put a lot of money into that into that first show and literally days before the show was gonna be on fight pass was like hey we want you guys on our platform oh you didn't have that set up when you were no we didn't have it set up it was the first show was supposed to be just a test Okay. And but we were still going to do the production thing so that we could go sell it to a company, you know, after the the show aired. And uh, but but Fight Pass was like, no, we w- we want you guys on there. We don't want you, you know, going to another promotion. And uh, you know, they have a good relationship with Fight Pass, so we decided just to go with them and not even entertain the uh, other companies because uh, we had a couple companies reach out and they wanted to do it before our first show. You know, grappling's growing so big, and uh, you know MMA already has. There's so many shows out there, and 
whatever. And, and now grappling's just getting so huge with Gordon Ryan and Craig Jones and Nicky Rod and all them and the ADCCs. Um, you know, th- there's a big market for it now, and, and they want grappling on, on these streaming services. So, you know, it's, you know, I- I'm happy that it went that way. And, and, and uh, you know, Fight Pass has been nothing but great for us. And, you know, we've had big names in the UFC come in. And, it, has it been eight events? So we're on seven. Seven, yep, okay. seven. And we only do them, you know, quarterly. Um, we, we, we're trying not to do them too often where it's like, oh, just just another Fury show, right? Like every mm-hmm. time we put on a show, we want it to be, you know, very entertaining and, and have those big names. And, and UFC roster athletes or retired UFC people, we just want to give them another outlet. Like uh, as a fighter, you know, you can only fight so many times a year. And, uh, you know you get a nice check when you fight a lot of these guys will get a nice check but when you make money fast you spend it fast right and uh are you guilty of that too yeah i mean we all are <laughs> like all everyone who whoever says they aren't and and been in this kind of business where you're not making you know weekly checks like all of a sudden you just have this lump sum of money and it's like wait what am, like, i'm gonna buy this and do that you know whatever right. and uh so some guys you know have good sponsors or some guys that are retiring, they, they go and try to fight bare knuckle now and all this stuff. Like, we came up with, you know, let them come to grappling. Like, what's the worst case scenario? They're going to tap or they tweak like, a, you know, an ankle or, or something like that that you can do anyways in, in the training room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these guys come in, they make a decent amount of money. Um, everyone's different. Uh you know, depending where you're at in the rankings and, and all that stuff. But some of these guys are making really good money just to do an eight or 10 minute grappling match. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I love that I can, I have a part in that, like given some of these fighters, like even, you know, we had Sean Brady on and Pat Sabatini who are, who are my friends and, and teammates mm-hmm. and, you know, just giving them another outlet to, you know, make some money and not have to get punched in the face for it, it, it is awesome. So what was the okay? So concerning the format of Fury, mm-hmm. did you look at the grappling landscape and different promotions and go, okay, they're not doing this thing that I want to see? Like, yeah. what was what is it that makes Fury unique? So uh, our main thing is there's no points, right? Like, I know for me, and again, I came from traditional jujitsu, which now when i look back at it it's like man i hate watching it <laughs> like it, you know everyone's just trying to get an advantage or or just get a point and that's how they want to win like i want to win because i submitted someone or i dominated them like i controlled all the positions so some organizations already you know do a good job um with with controlling that like uh you know with bonuses or with different rule sets like our main thing is we want action so you know, if if a match is getting is boring, like we'll just stand you up or or make you engage. Like, so the refs will stand. People oh yeah, up and yep. They know that going in there. Yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, we want the action. It's you know, it's it's for spectators, right? Like it's a show, and and of course you want to win, but you got to put on a show. Like if you just come in trying to just win, you know, by stalling or whatever, like great you won today but most likely we're not going to put you on the next show okay so so um 
you know, we want you to go out and, and work for the, for the win. And, and again, put on that show. That's, that's the most important part. We have people who <clears throat> have lost every match they've ever done for us. And we still bring them because every time they're, they're exciting. Right. And then we have other people who have won, you know, and again, we're just like, Hey, you know, they, they'll message me or, or reach out to us and, and say they want back on. And we're like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, again, it's, it's, the people who show up and, and and really work for it, we 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 like to take care of those guys. So, you're describing prize fighting basically. It's, exactly. It's a show. It's entertainment. I mean, that's how like the whole thing goes. How about that kind of current in martial arts that is emphasizing like the warrior ethos, the martial path, the difference between fighter and martial artist, the difference between like warrior and fighter. Like, how does yeah. Because there's a sport, obviously, and most yep. people will say, like, yeah, it's a sport. This is my sport. But then there's, like, a deeper kind of primal element yep. that most fighters I follow tap into, whether it's with samurai tattoos or Spartans yep. or quoting Miyamoto Musashi. I got both of those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, we are martial artists, right? For the most part. Some people aren't. Some people grew up just fighting in garages and then they you know fought at a bar or, or like or, tank abbott yeah exactly like but a lot of no people respect the tank abbott yeah but. well a lot of people who who are really good at the sport you know started with you know brazilian jiu-jitsu or you know taekwondo or or one of the more like traditional arts and um you know you do have that like you know, you hold yourself to a different standard uh, when you're a martial artist than like a, a just a normal person, right? And uh, all that is good, but there's also, you know, it's a fight, right? If you're if you're doing this, you know, for the sport, you're getting in a fight. So you got to have that edgy side. You have to have the not given. Well, I'm for lack of better terms, fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you have to be able to go and, and just say, Hey, I'm getting in a fist fight today. And, and you'll see wrestlers like wrestling obviously isn't like a, a martial art as far as, you know, like how Taekwondo is or, or one of those, but just that toughness that a wrestler has, you know, there's no teaching that. And, and, you know, <clears throat> they come in and can dominate a fight, you know, just because of how gritty they are. Right. And and uh, again, that that has nothing to do with being a martial artist. Um, But, you know, I think as they start learning all the other stuff to go with it, they start bringing on like, hey, like, you know, I'm not going to hurt my body with doing this to it. And, you know, I'm going to treat my body more like a temple, like how, you know, again, traditional martial artists will. Um, But I mean, I, I really the more the sport is growing, the more I'm starting to see less of that martial, like traditional martial artists, um, you know, way. Now it's just, it's just a sport. Um, but George St. Pierre was always my favorite fighter. Mm-hmm. Still is. Um, you know, I, I could watch him fight. I could watch his fights every day. And I just, I just love the, the person that he was outside the cage the way he conducted himself in the cage and then the way he fought, like all those things lined up for me. And I always kind of like wanted to be something like him, not him, 
but mm-hmm. I wanted to be something like him. It's and like I, it's a there's like an honor <clears throat> and like a nobility yep. to that way of life. Did you ever yep. get to train with him? Uh, so I have in just grappling, just in, in jiu-jitsu up in in New York, um, but I never got to like do any MMA with him. I really wanted to. And back then, we there was a MMA class in New York that we would go to, and uh, you know every time that I would I wouldn't go, I would see a picture and he would be there with like Rory McDonald, and I'd be like, fuck, like I can't believe I missed that that opportunity, you know. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I wish I I did, and and you know, again, then when he stopped fighting, you know, he wasn't coming down to New York as much. And that's really when I was going up there a little more often. And uh, so I, I got to miss out on, on that. But I mean, if there was, if I ever had the opportunity, I haven't even been sparring or anything in, in the in the last like year. And uh, I would go back to sparring if someone told me George St. Pierre was showing up today, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would be like, yeah, I'll go get my gear. I'll go, I'll go spar him, you know, just to, just to get the experience with him. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, again, to go back to what we were talking about the, you know, there's not many people like uh, GSP anymore. You know, th- I think you're going to get more of the McGregor's and the, you know, loud, obnoxious, like, you know, people, a little more egos now. Um, you know, you had it before, but I just think it's just bigger now. And, uh, you know, it's all about just knocking people out or, and, uh, you know, promoting yourself on social media. That's what I feel like the game kind of turns. So, so it's like the entertainment part of it has actually yep. changed how people approach training <laughs> yep. and how they approach just presenting themselves. Yeah. I do I do think that uh, I enjoy training no gi more than mm. gi, but I love putting on the gi yeah. and getting on the mat because you, you, you just do feel like there's some kind of lineage with Jigoro Kano or, you know, the guys coming down from judo yeah. through Brazil. So it sounds like there's there is like this history and honor and lineage to it, but that's sort of like the the foundation of it. But then you have like the industry, the promotions. Where do you find? Do you find more of that in the people that don't compete in the people that do it as a discipline? Because um, there's also, I mean, I've noticed a bunch of veterans, bunch of uh, police officers on yep. the mats, um, first responders. Like there's a lot of guys in the gym who don't compete. Mm-hmm. But who I see every time I come in, yeah. So there's like a whole nother, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Can you that, speak to that at all? Yeah, I mean, I honestly like pride myself on having a, a gym where there's world class athletes, and then we have our literally normal day, like or everyday people, right? And and they can all train on the mats together. They're all trying to make each other better, and uh, you know. Like, like I said, like yesterday, uh, I had Pat Sabatini in here who's been killing it in, in the UFC, and he's rolling with one of my blue belts who, you know, never competed. You know, he's, you know, only done training in this gym. I don't think he's ever even cross-trained somewhere else. And they're rolling together, and, you know, Pat's not trying to hurt him. This kid's not trying to go spazzy on, on Pat and, and uh, you know, it just it, it makes me happy when I can when I can see that because it's it hasn't always been like that um, and there's a lot of gyms that it's that it's not like that you know and uh, but the you know again we do have a lot of police officers a lot of veterans a lot of 
we have doctors, we have lawyers, we have you know accountants. Like everyone's mm-hmm. on the mats Real together. Estate. Real estate, <laughs> and uh, you know, those guys coming in are coming in because they love it, right? They they don't get their hand raised in front of thousands of people, or you know, they don't get money from doing it. They're losing money coming in and training, and and but they just love the sport and they they love um, you know the art of it, and uh, you know. They're, they're the they're the pillar to the to the to these type of gyms like what I have and uh you know I just think they're coming in trying to get better again they can help the the professional fighters or the amateur fighters as well but you know their goals aren't to, to go out and and win stuff like they're they're literally every day just trying to get one percent better and i tell that to them and i tell that to the fighters like you know if you can just get one percent better every day that's what jiu-jitsu is all about we're gonna have our bad days we're gonna get tapped we're gonna you know if you're doing mma in here you're gonna get punched in the face which you know i've been doing this for years i still don't like getting punched in the face but we still show up and we, and we do it and uh you know it's just all about to you know that goal of just getting a little bit better every time we show up and uh you know i i just you know again i'm just as happy for the accountant that i am for the guys winning in the, in the ufc um you know every day when I, wa- I watch these guys roll and i'll see them do a move that i, I taught them or or do a movement that i taught and it, the the feeling i get from it is like something i can't even explain in, in words and it's what's made me like coaching. Like even when I was fighting, there was something in me that I knew I wanted to be a coach, right? Like I, I don't know what it is. Like maybe some people don't get the same feeling that I get, but when when they win or, or do do a move in, in the class, like it's just like I don't know. It's like it's a, it like a little high that I get. Like how when I used to get my hand raised, you know, at, at fights, and I get to get that every single day when I'm here. Because there's always someone doing something right, right, mm-hmm. or, or trying something, and uh, you know I get a little piece of that every single day, and that's what keeps me like happy with with the sport. So, did coaching and training other people did that develop out of your relationship with your training partners? Because I know that you you know you you bought this gym yeah a couple years back. You had the gym while you were still competing professionally. Like, yeah. How did that transition happen? So. For me, uh, with coaching, I got lucky in the part where, so my my coach, McPherson, who I was telling you about before, uh, he was a major in the state police, and uh, he, you know, he would get called out in the middle of practices sometimes, and he worked, he did, like, the government detail, and, like, he got this phone call. I, I remember hearing the, a certain ring on his phone and be like, oh, man, he's getting called out. And uh, he would just look at me and be like, hey, John, can you finish the class for me? And, you know, I'm a, I'm a teenager, you know. And, and uh, But I was one of the higher-level guys in, in the class. Um, and, again, because I was, I was competing every weekend, um, I would show up every single day. All these other guys had wives and – jobs and vacations I didn't have any of that stuff like I you know I literally lived to to train and that was it and uh so he would just call me to to finish teaching his classes 
so I learned how to teach like during that time and it I wasn't good at it to start uh like I remember just I was always scared to talk to people and and like fix things like I had I mean I I still suffer from issues with talking I don't know if you can tell or not but I I get a lot of anxiety with with really public speaking which is crazy because I talk <laughs> oh yeah I man I you have classes of like 50 people. oh yeah I know yeah okay and I, I would uh I would panic sometimes like I, the moves were nothing it was the talking before class or after class I would get so anxious uh, about that and uh you know um but anyways so so just being able to do that and and do it kind of helped me iron out how to teach people because you know me teaching you might be different than me teaching the next person or everyone's gonna be a little bit different and I got to be able to like talk to you a certain way and talk to the next person a certain way so that they can understand right and uh you know i got a lot of experience with that young and uh you know as time went on then i started pulling back from teaching a little bit because i was just so focused on fighting you know i i, I was you know again living in philly at the time because when uh, when we all of us got together and started you know training uh in philly we we just you know, I, I just kind of focused on that. And then when my coach left, um, you know, I started teaching classes that I was in, right? Like I'm teaching a, a MMA class that I have to train for a fight in a couple of weeks, you know, and I have to get myself ready and everybody else ready at the same time. And it was, it was a shitty circumstance, but like, you know, I, I learned a lot during that process um, of how, to, like, again, how to coach and how to work with everyone. But then that's when things started like changing for me where it was it was really hard to focus on myself because I started really caring about other people's careers. And, uh, you know, some people would say that's a bad thing, but, you know, I, I, um, you know, I really do care about these guys. Like I, I really want them to succeed and I, I want them to win. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I, again get that thrill like if I was fighting when when I'm standing there you know if you watch me on it you know go watch any UFC fight where where I'm cornering like I'm ex I'm sometimes I feel like I'm more excited than the guy that just fought and uh you know again it, when I started when I, I opened this gym in uh or five years ago and uh again I was I was still fighting and trying to run a gym now not just coach like now I got like, you know, there's kids classes, fitness classes, MMA and you're a classes. Father at this point, yeah. Now I have, yeah. Gym. At this point, I had, well, I had my daughter, and then my wife was pregnant with our our son, and now we have three. But at the time, we, you know, you know, we had one, and then the other one coming, and uh, it was a lot on me, and I was, I was fighting, and I was doing well, like still doing well, um, but. You know, my last two fights, there was just something in me that was like, man, like losing happens. I'm I'm okay at losing for the most part. Like everyone hates losing, but I I never wanted to lose because I didn't put a hundred percent effort into something, and I was feeling that right. Like I, I felt like, hey, man, I could have did a little bit more to win that fight, and uh, that's when it's something in my mind just shut off, and it was like, I'm not doing this anymore. It was and that quick. It was, man, it was like, I just woke up one morning and it was just, I'm not doing that. I can't, I love the sport and I, and I, I love to compete and, and I always, 
you know, loved the, the training and everything, but like something just shut off that like I, I, there was days where I wished it would have came back on, but it just didn't come back on. Like I just, I, I didn't, um, I don't know. Like I don't even, I don't even know exactly what it is. It just, it just wasn't there anymore. And I had to be real with myself and be like, do I want to be that guy that had this amazing career? Like, you know, I, I won all these fights and got to travel around the world and, and met so many people and all this. And then, you know, I had a good record and then I don't want to be the guy that just starts losing a bunch of fights and like, you know, being like, what the hell was I doing? Why didn't I just you know, stop? And, uh, Again, that's why I just put all my eggs in the coaching basket, and it's like I just went all in on the on the coaching, and I'm I'm happy with my decision. Again, there's times where I'm like, man, I wish I took one more fight or or whatever, but it uh you know the the coaching just brings so much joy to me, and I can coach every weekend. You can't fight every weekend, right? <laughs> right? Like I can I can go and corner a fight in Vegas you know this weekend and then next weekend go to boston and the next weekend go to uh to nashville or wherever the ufc is going to be and, and and you know i could i could do that and and i'm not hurt doing it you know and and i get that little bit of enjoyment each time so again I, i'm i'm happy with my decision and uh you know I, I just hope that it just keeps going up from here we keep getting more fighters and and we keep you know dominating the competition I've also noticed how you train, like I've seen you in the strength and conditioning classes. Yeah. You know, I've seen you in pretty much every type of class except for, I think, Muay Thai. I haven't yeah. seen you in a Muay Thai class because yeah. Phil you, or Alan usually yeah. take care of those. But it's not as though you can't. I was thinking about this the other day with like if you're a if you're an NFL fan, <clears throat> the closest you can get to that is throwing the football in the backyard or doing like a flag football. Yeah. Like, like there's not a whole lot you can do to emulate the people you admire. Yeah. But if you're a MMA fan, yeah. you can be you on can the train. mats with these people. Yeah. Like I was very, I was politely choked out three times by Joe Pfeiffer. Yeah. When yeah. he showed up to a gi class, and I remember yeah. afterwards just thinking, because he told me at that fight, I said, okay, you're fighting. Uh, I think he was fighting uh, Mearshart. Yeah, yeah, Daryl. And yeah. I said, I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to, I'm going to piece him up and, and knock him out. <laughs> yeah. And he said it like so casually. And this is after yeah. I'd just been choked out, and I just said, all right, man, good luck. And then getting to watch that fight, and just yeah. go, dude, I got to, I got to train yeah. with Joe Pike. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, that kind of opportunity, especially. I mean, for, I mean, I'm only speaking from my own experience, but like I was not allowed to train martial arts when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, there was some concern my parents that I would end up being violent. Okay. But what ended up happening is I got picked on by the kids that who wrestled. Yeah. And you know, you, watching Batman cartoons doesn't make you a good fighter. You know yeah. What I mean? So coming to it later, you know, like in my thirties helped me sort of like in a weird way, get over that mm. kind of angsty part of my childhood. Where I'm like, Oh, I wish I could have defended myself. But now yeah. it's like, Oh, I'm good. Like I can, you know, I, I walk around with a little more confidence. Yeah. Sure. And it's yeah. yeah, that's incredibly valuable. You know, another thing, um, as far as like the the coaching and the and the family part of it, I've also heard you describe like the fighters you train as like brothers and sisters yep. and like not only are you excited when they win, I'm sure that you're also carrying like the, the pain of you know, losing oh, yeah. those fights and being responsible for supporting them, not just in the training part of it, but in the 
recovering from a fight. Yeah. You know, like that's like a whole other element. It's, it's, you know, again, I'm going to use him as an example um, because this kid, uh, you know, took one of the worst experiences of his life and just used that to better himself and, and make it uh, to the UFC. But, you know, Pat Sabatini uh, dislocated his arm, like one of the nastiest injuries I've ever seen in person. Like it looked like his arm broke and it did. There was like some some breaks, but uh, it was like he he literally dislocated his elbow and his shoulder and uh, Both. during a fight. Yeah, and it was just the guy had like a, a wizard on him from inside the guard and Pat went to stand up and the, just the body weight of the guy going down towards the ground like twisted his arm and like popped it out of socket right and uh, we were in the hospital for hours after that like you know sitting in the in the waiting room with his family it was like man one of the scariest like saddest nights ever and and people don't see that side of fighting like you know you know, you can watch a UFC fight and you see this guy win, get this crazy knockout, and you don't think about the other guy, right? Like, what are they doing? Do they have to go to the hospital? You know, are they're only getting half of their check now, you know, to, and they got to go home and support their families and, like, do all this stuff. Like, we don't, no one thinks about that side. You know, the coaches get half of the money. Like, there, there, there's a lot that goes in, into the fights, and, and uh, we're so invested into these guys. It's not about money at all, and it's it's about their health and wanting them to succeed so much. Like, I want these guys to be so much better than I ever was, right? And when you see them take a step back sometimes and, you know, take a loss or get an injury, like, it hurts, man. Like, it, it's like – you don't know what to say to them. Uh, you, you don't know if you tell them, like, hey, like, keep your head up. You know, you're going to get through this. Or, like, hey, man, like, you should go get a regular job and, and you know, start trying to think about, like, another, you know, route in life to go. And uh, Have you heard those conversations? Oh, you, you have to, man. They're, they're, you know, not everyone's going to make it in this sport. It's a tough sport. And you could be really good in this sport and not make it to the UFC. I know so many people who who are really good fighters and maybe took the wrong fight on the wrong day and uh, never got signed or, you know, got certain injuries, didn't get signed. And, you know, you got to be realistic. And it's like, yo, are you going to make it? Or, you know, maybe your age is getting a little higher now. Like, you know, it, is it worth trying to go for it? And it, those are tough conversations. Like, but, but you have to have them. You have to be real. Like, I, I try to be real with – with all the fighters, um, you know, I'm the guy that like, I'm gonna support you and, uh, you know, make you feel good. And, and I'm not the kind of coach that's beating you down and telling you like, you suck, you gotta do better. Like, you know, I'm the guy that's trying to motivate and be like, hey, like, you know, this is what we're good at. Let's try to work on this so we, we can get better or, or do that. But again, you have to be real with them. Like if if something's off, you you have to tell them, you know, hey, there's a hole right here, or you know, you're not doing this right or that right, and and you have to address it. And uh, again, that's with lifestyle, tech, like techniques, like it's it's a lot of stuff. You know, you get some guys they make a little bit of money, and now they just want to party and hang out with girls and like do all that stuff. And then you get other guys who you know don't do any of that stuff and and uh you know everyone's different and 
you know, again, you just got to have conversations with people and, and, uh, you know, make sure they're staying on, on a path that is going to work for them to be successful. It doesn't stop when you leave the gym. No, it doesn't stop no. when the fight's over. It's what is your life going to look like if you, if you recover correctly, yep. if you're training properly, have you ever, well, it's kind of a strange question, but I've noticed that people that at their, the height of yep. whatever their discipline is, don't seem to be able to connect with other people who aren't operating at that level. Yeah. And those people that aren't at that level go like, oh, you should get a life. All you talk about is that. dot, dot, yeah. dot. And is that, does that ever come into your, into your brain with work-life balance, as they say? Yeah. Or? So, I mean, my wife would tell you, right? Like, uh, you know, I get calls all day, right? And, uh, you know, guys asking me questions about opponents or, you know, whatever it is. It, it could just be life stuff, girlfriends. You know, like, the, like I'm like a dad in here to, to all these guys and, 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 girls we have really good girls in the gym too and and uh you know it's a it's a lot it can be you know overwhelming at times but that's what we signed up for and my wife she's really good at being a fight wife right like a like like uh yeah like the stuff that we have to deal with sometimes could break a relationship so easily and but she know like she has been there with me like she's she's traveled with me you know to fights she's seen me during the worst times of my career you know uh, you know taking losses and and what it does to you mentally and and uh you know she sees that you know, all the stuff that I had to go through and she sees these guys and girls going through it and she tries to help them and you know again there's going to always be that tug of war of like wanting my attention and and uh you know them needing my attention and and you know but she does a really good job with it and it, it's a tough spot to be in sometimes for for her but I, I mean i don't i don't think that anybody can do a better job than what she does in you know in our lifestyle so um and then managing three kids at the same time that with her own business with her own business too and uh you know it I don't think all this operates the same with without her support in all this too. Um, again, she's we've been together since my third pro fight, like going into my third pro fight. So I only had two pro fights at the time, and uh, you know, again, she's she's seen every aspect of the sport, good and bad. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that sucks, man. Like that you go into a gym and let's say we have 300 people in here like there's 300 different personalities there's going to be arguments and infighting and and all that stuff and and again she could get involved in that stuff and and turn it into a giant mess and and uh you know things can just be bad like for business and for the fighters but uh, you know she she handles herself really well in here and and tr and really tries to help uh, you know people succeed or even again nothing to do with actual martial arts or fighting like she tries to just make them better people and you know opens her ears and and just lets them talk and vent and and figure out what they need for uh, you know again just to be a better person. You've answered a lot of my questions, John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'm curious because I keep I keep hearing these like little stories about the ranch. Yeah. And I've, and I've, you know, I've been following Cowboys Instagram for a long time. Yep. And I heard uh, Felder's appearance uh, on Rogan talk about how the yep. two of you like went out to New yep. Mexico. Uh, can you tell me about uh, kind of like how that was structured, how that sort of developed, um, how you met Cowboy? Yeah. Mo- just from a fan's perspective, I'm so, just curious. So the first time I ever actually met Cowboy, uh, just like a high and by was he fought Jim Miller in Atlantic City. Um like right at the Revel, and uh, I was I was at a uh, bar or a restaurant with a couple of my buddies, and he walks in, you know, as I'm walking out, and I just gave him like a little like head nod, and he like stopped and like shook my hand and like said hi, and then just walked off and you know did his thing, I did my thing. Never thought I'd ever meet this guy again, right? And uh, I don't know the the timeline on it, like of you know, how long after it was that I ran into him again. But uh, me and Felder fought on a Saturday night for Cage Fury. And uh, we, you know, we both won. Um, I think, I don't know if that was for a title. It might have been a fight right before. No, I think it was for a title. I think I just I just won Cage Fury's uh, welterweight title. Felder just defended his belt for a lightweight title. Uh, for the first time and uh so we go we fight and then uh, i think it was the next day felder hits me up and was like hey man like uh cowboys fighting bobby green he was supposed to fight bobby green and uh he's like uh you know he was training at greg jackson's but he, he had the ranch and like wanted to really get a good group of guys over there so, so that they can just kind of focus on him and and uh you know kind of build a camp just like around uh this fight and uh so i was like i was like man like i'll go out there and i was like when does he want us to to go out there and he's like uh tomorrow (laughs) i'm like what and he's like yeah he like he'll he'll buy us flights i never again i only met this guy by shaking his hand one time so ever. was he watching the, the Cage Fury fights no I, I mean I think uh, Felder just vouched for me he, he had no idea who I was or whatever and I, I think he invited Paul and Paul was like hey my main train well, one of my main training partners he just fought too and uh, you know he'll come out he'll be a good look for you and uh, and then he's like alright bring him out like and so we go out there one way ticket out to New Mexico how many bags did you pack uh maybe a book bag and like a little suitcase. I'm not, I don't even remember, but I, I was, I literally thought we were staying there for a week. And then, you know, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, I'm telling her like, yeah, like I just had this, she had to just deal with my whole fight camp, you know? And then usually after fight camp, you know, now it's my time to like hang out. Like we can, you know, eat now. So we can go to restaurants and like hang out or, or go, you know, go to bars with our friends and, and stuff because we we're I mean I had to be 20 23 years old right and 22 23 and uh you know now I gotta tell her like hey like I got I'm gonna go to New Mexico because Cowboy wants us to go and she's like how long is it gonna be I'm like I don't know maybe a week and then we get out there and I, I still remember this so I got picked up not by Cowboy he uh he sent his wrestling coach and 
uh, one of the other guys from the team to come pick me and Paul up from from uh, from the airport. And uh, so we get to the ranch, and this time he like barely said hello, right? So like the time I didn't know any like didn't know him, just ran in. He stopped, shook my hand. Like this time was kind of like cold, like hey, what's up? Like you know, that's it. And I remember looking at Felder like, man, I don't think he likes me. Like, you know, I don't know or whatever. And he said, no, he, he, he like, you know, with people he doesn't know, he's just kind of like quiet. And then once he gets to know you, you know, he'll, he'll open up. And I was like, man, I don't know. So then anyway, so we get all of our stuff unpacked. We get our training gear and we go train for the first time. And the f- first training, you know, this is my first time going to elevation so people don't realize this but uh so we're we were 40 minutes into the mountains of new mexico so not in albuquerque but we were 40 minutes into the mountains from albuquerque um and the elevation was higher than denver's right so we're over a mile high um you know at the ranch and uh so i go in and I, i spar him and again i'm exhausted you know from traveling all day weight cut yeah (laughs) and then and again we just traveled you know you know a few hours to get there and then we unpack and we get right to training at elevation and i gave him like everything i had right and i I go training i felt it inside but i just kept telling myself i just gotta i I just gotta like push it on him a little bit because he just paid for me to come out here and uh right after training we all like sat down and he like started talking to me like if we were like been friends forever I remember looking at Paul like, oh man, like, all right, you're right, you're right. And uh, I remember Paul later that night after we all like showered and ate, he was like, Cowboy really liked those rounds. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, he 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 really liked uh, how you trained. And then, so we stood for a week. A week turns into two weeks. Two weeks like turned to like three. I was gone for like a month. (laughs) And again, you got. Yeah, I have my girlfriend at home, like not knowing when I'm coming home, like and and uh, you know it was it was a crazy time, but it was such a cool experience. Like, you know, I the one thing I learned from him was like you got to enjoy yourself out of training too. Like at at that point in my life, everything was about training for the eight weeks that I was in camp, and then after that eight weeks, I would go nuts, right, going drinking and doing all that stuff, um, you know eating as much as I could, you know. And, so it was like and binging and purging. Yeah, yep. And then, but for him, he's like, man, like, we do this because we love, like, doing it, but you also got to do other life stuff. Like, every day we would, we would go, like, you know, we would train hard. Like, people's, a lot of people think that he just, like, fucks off all the time. Like, he, the training was good training, but it was random. Like, you know, we can wake up in the morning and he can either be like, hey, we're going – you know, we're going to go spar at 9 a.m. Or he can be like, hey, we're going to go wakeboard at 9 a.m. And then we'll figure out training for afterwards. Or, you know, or he'll be like, hey, uh, we're going to hunt this morning and then we'll train. Or, or sometimes we would spar at like midnight because that we got we were doing all the other stuff all day. And then he's like, all right, now it's time to train. You know, like the training sessions always happen, but it wasn't sh- like structured of like time wise like it just kind of went off everything else and that was the one thing felder couldn't deal with you know felder 
and and Brady because we we took Sean Brady out there not this time but uh, uh, the time the second time I went out there and they're like str- like they're so structured that it's trainings at this time and there's no giving you know, on that like it's mm-hmm. it's you know trainings at nine o'clock we're training at nine o'clock and there's no if ands or buts about it and uh, so they they kind of like. Again, Felder's the one that took me out there, but eventually, after a couple times going out, he was just like, man, I got to figure out a, a place where I can, like, have my structure back. And that's when he started going out to Duke Rufus and um, to Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, he went there, and then I ended up staying and just training um, with Cowboy. Like, he would call me and be like, you know, I, I just signed this fight. And, and this is the time where he was fighting – every two months like he had another fight there's times where one time i he fought i flew home and then i it might have been the same day or the next day two days and he he was like uh i just took another fight for next week and i was like what and he's like you kind of come back out here and i'm like i just got home and now i had a baby like we had a newborn baby at the time and it was like, man, I can't, I can't just keep leaving. And uh, but he was like, man, I need you. I, I need you to be out here. And uh, you know, so I, I had to fly back there again, train with him for the week, and then he fought again. You know, it, which is wild. But uh, you know, it, that's just the way he was. And and I, I, I loved it. Um, you know, again, I wish he didn't live so far. If he lived in like Connecticut or like. Virginia or like mm-hmm. something like that where I could like you know go train with him and then come home really fast you know for a couple of days or for a day and then go back it was awesome but going out to New Mexico flights there weren't many flights to get there from Philadelphia and the flights that uh that were there they were expensive like you were, th- were looking at 800 to a thousand dollars round trip Yikes. you know and I was going so often like like so much and and he would pay for it when it was his camp. But if I just wanted to come home just to like come hang out with my family, like I couldn't just afford that at the time. And, and, uh, he took care of me when, uh, after my, my first, uh, UFC fight, I got like the, it was probably the worst part of my whole career was, uh, I just fought this fight and, you know, it was one of my best fights I ever had. And I, I go out, I uh, I lose a split decision, but I fought my my friend, who's Australian in Australia, and uh, but and, and again it was it was one of my best fights. Like I knocked him down a few times, had a couple of submission attempts, and and uh, you know I really thought I won the fight. I thought and, you won that fight. Yeah, too. yeah, almost. I don't know anything. Every about person I uh, ever talked to has told me I won that yeah, fight. Yeah, anyway. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know. I do that. Uh, my manager tells me at the time, like, "Hey, like they, the UFC thought you won that fight, right?" Like, because remember, people don't realize, people don't realize the the UFC or Cage Fury or whatever the promotion is has no control of the athletic commission. The athletic commission has control of the promotions. So you know, when so people all say the scoring, all, all that, that scoring has nothing to do with the UFC. So like all the whole favoritism thing for you know like let's say Dana White likes Sean O'Malley like 
the the commission doesn't give a shit. Like they're right. they're they do their own thing. Um, but um, so anyway, so my manager's like, hey, they're gonna they're gonna send you your win bonus because remember in MMA you don't you only make half of your money when when you lose, right? And then you get double your money if you if you win. And uh, so they're like, yeah, you're, we're gonna send you your win bonus. So I'm waiting a few days, and uh, I get another call from my manager, and I'm like, all right, maybe he's gonna call me and tell me that I, uh, you know, that the money's in or whatever. And uh, he calls us, and man, I got I got some some bad news. He's like, uh, you failed your drug test. And I'm like, what? And I, I mean, I'm telling you, at the time, I never I never used to drink protein shakes. Like nutrition wasn't my thing. Like, like that was always like the worst part of like my whole thing I, or of my career. And, and you know, I didn't. I, I never took supplements. Like, I never took anything that can make me fail a drug test. So, anyways, I, I fail for this. this like, is pre Usada. Pre Usada, and uh, uh, it was again. I fought in Australia. Right? They told me I failed for a drug for narcoleptics that is an Australian made drug. Right? So I'm like what what like what are you talking about? And I'm not narcoleptic. Like what like why would I take that drug out of everything? Like I, I don't get it. And uh it was a big battle within me because you know, it made me I I got to the, you know, pinnacle of my career and then it felt like it just got like ripped from under me and it made me like hate the sport for a little bit and uh you know, I got I ended up getting a uh, suspension it was supposed to be for a year and then my manager was like you know again this is pre-usada so uh and it uh australia their commission didn't deal with the the drug test after if i would have fought it it would have had to be against the ufc so then uh so i could have fought it but then it was me fighting against my boss right like my Mm -hmm. bosses so so my manager was like listen like They'll give you a shorter, uh, you know, suspension if you just say you did it. And then I was like, I don't know, like something to me. I was like, I don't, I don't think that's the right thing to do. But eventually, I was like, you know what? Like, I'll take. I think it was nine months or something like that. I took the nine month suspension instead of the twelve month one. Cause all I kept thinking was like, I just want to fight again. But during that time, I got like super. I wouldn't say depressed, but like I, I was, I had a lot of hate for the sport for some reason but cowboy like stood on me and was like yo you like you got to come help me with my fight camps and you started like really paying me to do the camps and uh you know just kind of kept me around the sport because i honestly i feel like like i would have just said i'm done like i'm just going to try to figure out something else to do and uh again he he like took me in you know like literally paid for everything for me and uh yeah, I can't I can't thank him enough for 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 doing that for me and uh you know we made it out of that you know again th- my next fight was um you know Cowboy I only got the fight because Cowboy was the main event in the fight and he he told uh Sean Shelby or Jace Joe Silva who was the old matchmaker he's like uh I want my buddy on the card like put him on there and uh so they ended up getting me on the like literally if my nine months suspension ended on 
you know, a Friday I fall on Saturday, right? Like, yeah, he like, it was like the timing was like good. But again, my, mentally I was totally out of, uh, focusing on me. I was just focused on, you know, coaching Cowboy and, and, uh, training with them, helping them, you know, with the sparring rounds. And by the time I got to that fight, I was just so checked out. And, uh, you know, then I took that step back out of the, the UFC and I went on my run for you know cage fury again and uh but then again that's when i opened the gym and what we were talking about earlier it, you know i just kind of was like you know what the fighting's done for me i'm, I'm just gonna focus on the, on the coaching now so what's next because this gym is growing i mean yeah. i see new people in here every time i show up yeah uh the mats are packed it's like you're coaching Undefeated UFC fighters, if I remember correctly, right? You've got at least one undefeated fighter you're coaching. So we have guys who are undefeated in the UFC, a bunch of them. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we have Sean Brady, who was he was 15 and 0, and uh, had a bunch of wins in the UFC, and then just took his first loss. Um, but uh, yeah, we have you know Joe Pfeiffer is undefeated in the UFC. Andre Petrowski, um Jeremiah Wells, who I'm going down to Nashville for in uh, in two weeks. Um, all those guys are, are undefe- undefeated in the UFC. And, uh, you know, Pat Sabatini has has one loss but just came back and – Dominated. <laughs> dominated. Mauled the guy. You know. he is, he's so mild-mannered oh, and yeah. polite. Yeah. But then when you want – like I've watched him just kind of like flow wrestle with people. Yeah. And it's 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 like ballet yeah. almost. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing to watch. I uh, – I always felt like I was always like a nice guy in the MMA scene. Like, I don't know many people who can say that I'm a jerk or whatever. Like, I mean, that's how I see it. I think. Uh, and uh, but I always said Pat's always he was the nicer guy than me. Like, there, if there's one person that I'm in a room with and I'm like they're they're nicer than me, it's it's Pat. <laughs> and, and then he's just a killer. He has that that switch that he can flip. And uh, you know, when his mind is right. And he's confident and, uh, you know, he's not, like, doubting himself. He's the best person in the world. I would put, I would put everything on him being able to beat all those top five guys when he's on. And, uh, and I truly believe that. I, 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 I really think he can beat all those guys. So it's and coming. It's just all of a, a matter of him keeping, uh, again, focus and, and uh, believing in himself. That, that's – that was always my biggest thing. I see a lot of my myself in Pat uh, with certain things, and uh, if I had the confidence that some of these guys who absolutely suck have, um, you know, <laughs> I think Isn't I would have weird yeah. people like there's like that gap. What do yeah. they call that? Is it Dunning Kruger syndrome? There's some kind of I'm not sure syndrome but, where it's like if you yeah. the smarter you are, the more likely you are to doubt yourself, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, we have man. So many people have walked through this gym that just came in thinking they were, you know, Conor McGregor off the rip, and and the way they post and and talk, you're like, man, this guy's got to be like a, a killer, and then they suck, <laughs> you know. And uh, again, I, I I wish I could pull some of that, but it just wasn't me. Like, you know, I'm I'm more, of, you know, I don't know about realistic or what. I don't know again how to how to explain that, but I just feel like I was always. Uh, humble, right? And mm-hmm. and Pat's the same way, and it's good, but then it, it could be bad too. Like you know, you do have to have confidence in this sport, 
um, and not overly confident like a lot of these guys, but you, you do have to have uh, a certain confidence that can can push you to to be great. And uh, I, I think he's really getting into that right now. Like before this last fight, he I mean the the focus he had all week, and uh, you know even his eyes like before he walked out I was like oh he's he's ready man like he was locked in and and I don't think anyone could have gotten that cage and beat him that day wow uh it just it just wasn't gonna happen and and you see that with a lot of guys I mean there's a lot of times as a coach where I know how the fight's gonna go before we ever step out there yeah and it's you know sometimes it changes I've had bad feelings and then the guy goes out and dominates but like I, I feel like I'm I'm pretty on a lot of the times where i'm like oh man like today might not be our day mm-hmm. you know things aren't clicking in the back or you know they don't seem focused or whatever and then again then you get the opposite where it's like they're like a killer back here like i, I have to try to restrain them a little bit because <laughs> they might hurt this guy you know and uh you know again that's that's you know get off topic a little but you know one of the hardest jobs as a coach is that gauging gauging the athlete um especially on fight day you know it's like where are they at mentally when i was a fighter i knew where i was at mentally right and if i was in a bad spot i can you know pump myself up to a good spot you know if i was feeling like overwhelmed i can i can settle back and and calm down but when you're a coach like it's like you're guessing what they're feeling and then you try to say certain things to them or do certain things uh, and you're hoping it's going to help, and you're hoping that it doesn't make it worse. Uh, again, one story with that, my, my wife, uh, when when Cowboy had a new newborn, uh, his, his son, his first son, uh, he was fighting Mike Perry mm-hmm. in Denver, and we're in the back warming up, and, you know, the warm-up's going decent, but, like, you know, Cowboy's, like, up and down, like, you know, Sometimes he's in the back and he's just, again, you you just know he can beat anybody in the world. And then other times you're like, fuck, like we gotta we gotta get him ready. And uh, my wife texts me a picture of the baby, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna show Cowboy to like pump him up. Like remember, you're fighting not just for yourself anymore. You're fighting for your kid. And I go and I show him the picture, and he he like gets like this little like you know like he's ready face like you know mad and like you know seemed like he was so good his posture change yeah everything like... changed right but then he goes and does a lap around the mat and when he makes the turn the turn back towards me i see tears coming down his eyes and now i'm like oh my god i just fucked up the whole camp like you know all the work we just put in i just ruined it you know like you know whatever and he just goes out there and has an amazing fight and uh you know i didn't like i i honestly thought I've ruined the fight because he started crying, but really it helped him. Like he's someone that, you know, having the kid really uh, motivated him and, uh, you know, made him want, want to fight better. And uh, for some, like for, for me, it was a little harder. Like when I was fighting it, when I had to think about someone else, it like threw me off a little bit, like it scared me a little or, or, you know, like the pressure of having to fight for them, like kind of like, uh, made it harder for me, but uh, for him, it, it was the opposite. And and again, everyone is different. Everyone handles different like uh, situations different. 
and again as a coach it's this is like the the job that i have now is figuring out what's going to work for them what's not going to work for them and sometimes i have no control of what's going to work for them but i just got to know you know try my best to to uh, put them in the best place possible before we ever step in that cage um, so they can get the job done so i've seen you roll with the top guys yeah. in this gym and you don't look like a slouch no. at all. Doesn't yeah. look like you've lost a step. Yeah, um, my cardio has lost a step, okay, but uh, yeah. probably eat a couple more cookies. Than you used <laughs> yeah, to, right? I mean, for jujitsu, I feel I cannot roll jujitsu for a month and then go back to it and feel totally fine. Like, um, I don't know if it's just because I've done it for more than half of my life, you know, and. Uh, you know, it's just like second nature, but uh, I feel like I I can hang with mostly everyone, um, you know, in straight jiu-jitsu. Uh, Sean Brady, not him right now. <laughs> yeah, he he's a little uh, he's a little tough, uh, especially because his pressure is just so good. And if your cardio is not up to par with with your technique, he's gonna smash through you. Uh, Pfeiffer, same way. Like he, he's just he's got like this relentless pressure, and and people think of him as just like a knockout artist. His jiu-jitsu Dude, is good. I know, right? <laughs> it's it's really good. Pat Sabatini, I love rolling with him because he'll like flow with you more. And I'm like, that's my style these days. Like I love flowing because mm-hmm. yeah, I can conserve some energy. Uh, Andre Petroski, he's probably got the strongest squeeze I've ever felt. You know, if he if he gets around your neck or even just around your face, if he squeezes hard, like he he can tap people, like anybody. You know, even without the using the right technique all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, everyone's different, but I, I I get in there and I try. I used to you know up until last year really, uh, I used to go in there and spar all these guys. You know, really probably less than a year. Yeah, I'd say, or I was sparring. Um, Brady last October. I think that's the last time I, I really like got in there and sparred hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, I would get in there. Was that for right the Kiesa fight? No, that was the uh, uh, Bilal fight. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, but I would literally go from off the couch, not training at all, to like sparring the, these guys who are you know ranked in the world, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I would do really well, but you know, it's just different when this is what they live and breathe for. And uh, I, you know, I remember being there and like being where they are right now, and it's just different. Like you, you know, your, your mindset's just totally different. And uh, they might not even be the best at whatever they're doing. Like I know some of them who, you know, technique-wise, some of the you know, people who are just doing jiu-jitsu are better than them, right? But they just have, like, this this pressure and grit. And, um, again, this is what they do for a living. And, and they can just kind of break those guys down a little bit and, and really beat their their uh, their game just by, by using those things. And, uh, you know, they, um, it's fun to watch. Because uh, most people they can break down. My, my favorite person to watch all them roll with though is uh, Kevin. <laughs> so uh, you know, for, for those who don't know that uh, Kevin Dancer's uh, black belt here. That what is he? One fifty five. Man, 
on he, it. First time on I rolled a, with, soaking wet, he's one fifty five. First time I rolled with him, he it, got me in a, in a in a jumping guillotine. He's honestly one of the. I, I've trained with people all over the world, all over the country, and he's he's just the best. Like I, I literally had this conversation a few weeks ago with my coach. We were at a a, a birthday party. Uh, a dinner for someone's 50th birthday and uh i was like telling him about kevin i was like man you ever you know i feel like he like technique wise and straight jiu-jitsu wise like this kid's outgrown me like wow like he's just at this level of like he does things i've never seen before and like whatever and then he's like hey now you know how i feel you know, <laughs> and I was that's like, beautiful. yeah, I was like, you know, I never thought about it like that. And, uh, you know, it, that's what a coach is supposed to do. Like you're, you're supposed to get your your athletes and uh, students to be better than you. And I and Kevin is that like, if I don't use all my strength and my weight, you know, I'm a little bit heavier than him. I won't say the number, but uh, I'm a little bit heavier than him. And, uh, you know, I've, I've trained way longer than him. And if I don't use everything I have, he's smoking me, you know. And uh, you know, it, it's fun. It's fun to watch him go. It's fun to to roll with him. And again, I love seeing him beating up on the bigger MMA guys and on the, uh, you know, just the. If someone walks in the gym and they're big and they, you know, you know, I, I know they're gonna come in and try to like smash everyone. I'll I'll put Kevin right on and be like, yeah, roll with him. Oh, so you you yeah. made him the enforcer. Oh yeah, but he's situation. an enforcer in a different way because he's not gonna go like if I just go and and hurt like you know smashing them and putting knee on belly and doing all that stuff. Like they're just like, oh, you're just kind of being a jerk, like mm-hmm. and whatever. But Kevin will go and just you know do circles around everyone, and it seems like he's not even working hard. And then they're like, Man, what was that? You know, and, and uh, you know, they they want to learn it because they're like, man, I, like, what the hell were you doing? Like, I, I just don't even know. Like, you weren't using strength. You weren't whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just all technique. And uh, so I always use him. I look – sometimes I don't ha- even have to say the words. I just look at him and kind of look over to the other person, and he'll just walk right oh, over. he's got and, that, like, disarming smile, too. Yeah, yeah. Because he's always, like, yeah. you know, friendly. And he's got and the nicest, man. you know – his personality and and he's so respectful but i mean he he when it's time to go he can he can go and uh you know he again he's he's just one of my favorite people on the mats really like well, technique that, wise that and arm just, bar that that last fury he competed yeah. in i mean check it out on uh fight pass yeah that was lightning fast. yeah he just saw it and man that fast. was yeah so with fury the uh you know obviously i put a lot of my athletes on there um and not just because they're my athletes. Like, we have guys that are literally the best in the world here. And, uh, you know, so I give those guys the opportunity and girls to to go on the show and have a platform in front of, you know, thousands or, you know, a million people. And uh, um, one thing I said from the first show on was I don't want to cross it too much. So I never coach any of the athletes during the events. Right. Like, um, I just feel like, you know, I set the matches up. I don't feel right. Like going there. So you, (laughs) next time you watch a fury, just, uh, you know, they show camera, like you see a camera angle off in the back, like we're production. You're always walking around the edges. Yeah. I'm always, um, I'm trying to stay out of it as much as I can, but I'm, I am looking like I'm trying to watch and 
I'll be so excited sometimes and, and, you know, I want to get up and cheer and, and do all that, but I don't do it. I, I, I try to, you know, stay professional and, uh, you know, these guys put in the work all the time. Like I don't need to tell them what to do while they're out there. They know mm-hmm. what to do. And uh, they all coach each other and, and, and come together and, and, and try to, you know, help each other. And, um, you know, it's a stressful day for me on, on match day for, for that, but it is cool watching them, you know, do their thing. And uh, even, you know, the other guys who come in on the show, like I love just people putting on good shows. Like people on my team are not on my team. You know, I just I, I love watching people compete and, and, and try their best out there. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch. You know, you see like Clay Guida running around. Yeah, that kind of stuff's yeah. amazing. Uh, I think that's a great place to stop. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I feel like uh, I've been spoiled yeah. training at your gym. No, nah. <laughs> no, seriously. Like you know, having having you as my professor and like teaching me. Just you know, I'm still a beginner. Um, has been an amazing foundation. I'm going to take everything else is going to be judged based on this experience. Oh, awesome, so, man. Thank well, you. You have much. a you'll have a good uh, time down in Nashville. So I wish you luck down there. All right. Thank you. Be sure to check out Fury Grappling on December 30th. You can follow me on Instagram at Robert Cathern and at Toy Sword Media. I've got some cool projects coming up and I hope that you will join me. Until next time.